That's a whole nother discussion. Whole, that's definitely yeah. not a. <laughs> that's definitely not for this. Right, right, Don't right. Don't run too much from right there. You're okay. a good frame where you're at. Right, right, right. All right. We good to go? We're all good. All right. And we'll just see where it go. Okay. okay. Let's do it. All right. All right. Uh, uh, welcome. We good? I'm Rob Wallace, and this is the Zero Noise Podcast, where we engage in progressive discussions about music, life, and everything in between with our guests. This podcast is brought to you by Grove Studios, a 24-7 artist and production workspace. Whether rehearsing for your next show, producing a new song, doing a podcast, or shooting a video, Grove Studios is set up for the independent creator. Right now, right now Grove is... I can't talk today. Right now, Grove is offering subscriptions that can help you get your project or next creation cracking. To learn more, visit GrowStudios.space. We are also sponsored by Leon Speakers, uh, the specialist in home audio of quality. This podcast is produced by Project Plugin, Mind State Marketing, and shared with all streaming platforms through Captivate. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe with wherever you are hearing or seeing the podcast. My life's work is to lift music and hip-hop specifically as both the historical subtext and the product of American culture, a medium of liberation, and the soundtrack for the search for black freedom collectively and individually. The hip-hop album as a primary source of critical discourse about life in America by those who create it. Therefore, we will not only discuss albums that are commonly regarded as classics or close to classics, I want to know about the music that changed the way our guests thought, Along the way, we will explore how music speaks to who we are and who we desire to be. Art is not valuable if it does not challenge, if it does not ask, and if it does not respond. We acknowledge that music decorates time as art decorates space. I ask dope people to visit with me, talk about who they are, who they have been, and what they do. I also ask them to be ready to discuss an album that played a role in them becoming them. You will not hear the music we will discuss during the podcast for many reasons, but you will never hear it the same after. Therefore, this is a music podcast, but it is a people's podcast. And today, the people are Dr. LaMarcus Howard and Doc, Dr. Eric Reed. I need to emphasize the doctor. We have two men who have recently earned their PhDs from Eastern Michigan University. Welcome to the pod. How you doing? Blessed. What up, though? What's up, man? What's good. Before we go any further, before we do anything else, there is something that I owe you. I did not forget about you. Congratulations. We're going to keep it wrapped up. You know what I'm saying? But that's for you. Congratulations. I've been meaning to get that to you since the last, you know, since the last time I saw you. My brother. No doubt. The album that we will be talking about today is Thug Motivation 101 by Young Jeezy. And by a number of other people as well. Manny Fresh, uh, Midnight Black, Akon, Bun B, all of them was on this album. But we'll get to that. You guys are a part of a very small minority of African-American men in this country. In the last year, you received your PhD right before COVID occurred. Literally. You received yours right before COVID. Mm -hmm. We were all there. Mm Mm-hmm. How does it, I guess the first question is, who were you before that those those letters got attached to your name? Who is LaMarcus Howard? 
That's a good one. It's 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 funny because I, I guess it's three sides of me. And I kind of tell people this. It's LaMarcus, it's Dr. Howard, and then it's Marky. And Marky is the kid from Flint. Whoop. Friends, family, everybody know me from the north side. Graduated from Flint Northern. Wait, wait, before you go on, what streets did you grow up? What streets you grow up on? Oh, so born and raised, uh-huh. um, DuPont White Street. Ooh, around, shout the out cor- to DuPont. around the corner from Dayton. So Dayton family. I, I grew up around that. My sister is 11 years older than I am. Okay. So I remember Ross Car Wash. I okay. remember riding through Northside and my sister Cutlass. Okay. She's drinking 40s and just being <laughs> reckless. Shout out shout out to Ira Dorsey. 100%. Dayton Matt family Hinkle, got a, they got Mo a Cleaves. documentary out. With Absolutely. Yes. And I haven't seen it yet. That's my goal is to watch it soon. You said White and DuPont. DuPont and White. I used to ride down Macklin. Yep. And we used to go to Serious Sounds and I used to buy music. All the time. Big Vic, shout out to Vic. Vic, yep. if you're still around, I, I love you, brother. I bought so many records at, at Serious Sounds, man. But who, who, who is Marky? Man, I'm still learning who I am right now. I'll say this: that PhD program took a lot out of me. But it also, I rediscovered a lot about myself too. I had to unlearn and learn a lot of things. So, I guess as a man, as a black man coming from Flint, born and raised, and my, my my circle of men who in which I uh, hang around or just who I'm inspired by with my nephews and godsons and my, my great niece, that, that just encompasses me. But I'm just my authentic self. I'm, I'm still relatable to students given I work in higher education. I'm just a young black male trying to survive and make it in this world. So that's Dr. Howard. That's LaMarcus. That's Marky. That's Marcus, all tied in one. Who is Eric? So... When you said before, I'm like, I had to, that took me, that took me by pause a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then I thought deeper, I'm like, I honestly, truly, when I went through the doc program and everything, not even doc program, but even, even um, my, my career, mm-hmm. tried to just stay tuned to what I enjoy. If it's basketball, if it's, Music, if it's whatever it is, the clothes that I wear, all of that stuff. So who, so so breaking that down, like I, I feel like I, I hope that I, I remain as much as my authentic self after the doctoral program too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just a kid, I grew up as a quiet kid, but then I uh, was also an athlete mm-hmm. as well. So um, one thing through athletics. And through my parents, I had both parents in my household. I had my dad, mm. love my dad, still alive. My both my parents still together. So, discipline came out of a lot of different aspects. From Saturday mornings, mom saying, you know, clean your room up. If it ain't, you know, don't halfway do stuff. Dad, you know, real strict or whatever and stuff like that. But it, it built. But then the sports and everything. So. You know, I'm just, um, I'll say, I always, I always had a a go get mentality, go, go do it, go get it done. I don't, I don't like to talk about whatever it is much. So, um, when I laid my eyes on the doctor, I probably wasn't even, I probably was like 26, 27. Mm -hmm. Didn't even think about that there. You know, I was, I was involved in business a lot growing up and everything. So, um, my end thing is like being an entrepreneur, being a hustler, all of that stuff. 
but education is um, the walkway that I got into. But who who am I? I just, I mean, I like to still be with family and friends. Because um, my, my, my thing is I want to free myself up enough just so I can be with family and friends a lot more and stuff. So, yeah. Um, who, I mean, you know, Marky said it still learning and, and growing and developing myself but um always tried to like because my I remember my first college essay mm-hmm. so Max College program mm-hmm. um we had to write about diversity is I don't remember the whole essay but I remember one sentence I wanna um I want this scholarship because I want to go back to my neighborhood so I can show kids that there's another pathway mm-hmm. you can still drive the same cars my car ain't as flashy like it was like right. back in 06 when I had the Impala on 20s, 20, 20s. I had 22. Okay. Cornrows, all of that stuff. Like, I still wear all the same clothes and everything. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's a different pathway that I chose to do. And you stuff, you so. did it in a way that you didn't have to deal with the negative inertia from getting it another way. Right. Where did yeah. you learn how to be... Where did you learn how to be reserved? Because I, I think... The thing that shines through in you is you 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 seem to be very in control mm-hmm. of yourself. Like you, we talk about eating when we used to talk about eating. When we talk about you know the things that you do, building your self discipline and stuff like that. Where who was it? Somebody specifically that you learned that from? I mean, I know you got discipline in a number of different tiers. You talked about that, right? But was it somebody you took after in that? So reserved. I think the reservedness is more, that's just kind of built in through, my dad is a thinker, I'm a thinker, and and everything. My 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 um, profession forced me to be more outspoken and more social and everything, mm-hmm. or else you won't be successful mm-hmm. in it. Absolutely. But like, you know, my dad's side, like my uncles and my dad and everything, accountant, engineer, like all of these where you can just kind of go off on your own and do your own thing right but like education you kind of gotta you know um so you know i mean i'm gonna think twice speak once right twice do 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 want once right you know um type of person so i think i, I would say you know just reflecting back whether he didn't he didn't sit me down and say you got to do these things in order to be successful it's just okay. kind of like just, built into it so so, yeah. so you guys went to undergrad Yep. Y'all met in undergrad The fall of 20 Was it 2005? 2005 right? I, I started in 05 Reed is a year after me Okay I'll say this I'll go on record by saying this Uh oh Central Michigan Students of color Class of 26 Is one of the dopest classes I've ever seen Okay That's Why? You said class of 26? Excuse me 2006 Now that you have a Now that you have a different perspective 100% You know what I'm saying Why would you Like why do you believe That's the case? Independent, mm. free thinkers, motivated, intellectuals, people from that class. I, I, I'll be and I and I was an 05 kid. Showed up and showed out at CMU. Student leaders, fraternities, sororities, right, graduate schools. To now being entrepreneurs, professionals, X Y Z, and a lot of those students who came through Central Michigan um, are a part of a program or through multicultural academic student services mm-hmm. of a scholarship. Right. So it's two scholarships that you could have received. But students who received that scholarship was just awesome during that class. And mm-hmm. 
time to graduation was four years for the overwhelming majority. They came in, they did what they needed to do and leave. Mm. So to me, they left a mark on the institution. Yeah. I used to be jealous. I was a low key hater. Like, damn, I wish I was a part Shout of OSU. Shout out to the Max Scholars program. One hundred percent. I mean, when you when you go in that office at Central, Donald underneath on the first. I don't know if that's the first or the basement yeah. floor. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a there's a frame. It's almost like when you graduate from high school, they had them frames that everybody lined yeah. up. Yeah. Everybody else in the program, yeah. and you go by each year. I'm like, man, they graduated, they did, yep. they did, they did, they yeah. did, they did. Down the line, it's like everybody on your floor pretty much finished and everything. Right for and a predominantly white institution like CMU yeah. and Mount Pleasant, yeah. for those students to come in and do what they need to do and leave was to me phenomenal. And you get to see like uh, you guys are getting other uh, age. I'm a little bit older than you, mm-hmm. but. You get to see how, like, the people who you were in that situation with have many of them have grown to be major, major difference makers. And you're a part of that. That's that's a huge experience because and it's kind of like the in a way, me and you both, you know, what I'm saying have experience in trio, obviously. Right. That's kind of the dream to be able to continue to churn out these cohorts of people who now have access to become difference makers. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. For sure. That's a great thing. So, I can't digress, though. Me and Reed, cool in undergrad, but we, re- we really became cool in graduate school. Okay. Because mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't a lot of black people in graduate school at Central Michigan. One hand. Literally, like, who wants to go back mm-hmm. up to Mount Pleasant to go to graduate school? Mm-hmm. Everybody else would just go out of state. So, for us, mm-hmm. I worked for a year and a half and came back. I believe Reed continue from his master's to his master's that's okay. when we became stronger and built our relationship from mm-hmm. hanging out all the time i tell i tell Un- undergrad marky <laughs> go for it yy50 yy53 yy53 that was his apartment okay so after parties from the main party you have you at Marky's spot, you know, him and his roommates and everything. Right. And there and then I'll probably I'll throw a party every now and then at the mm-hmm. Masonic Temple. Okay. And everything. So we almost had like we didn't know we was battling with party. Yep. <laughs> wow. It was but, cool. You know, it was it was, it was, it was nothing cool. but love though, too. Right. And I'll say that. Us having the opportunity to leave Detroit and me leaving Flint to go to Mount Pleasant to go to undergrad was a beautiful, beautiful thing because we didn't have the influences of like a big city. Mm-hmm. We just had each other. And for that black community to really stay together, not have no beef, athletes be hanging with regular folks. Yeah, it was cool. Mm-hmm. I tell people this. When I was in undergrad, I didn't even have to travel to other colleges to have fun. Right, Because right. Central Michigan was lit enough for me back during that time that we didn't need to. And, and the what, emphasis is the people. Mm-hmm. Because the city itself is just going city. back home. Yep. Like, right. If it ain't people, you know, your, your knit of people, your close... You going back home? That that city. You mean you absolutely? Yeah, to get in the casino at eighteen, but that's about it. And I think I think that there's a different dynamic between Central and Eastern because when I was in undergrad, the majority of the people who were coming to Eastern that were black were from the D, and I was from Flint. And for me, the D was 25 minutes to the east, but it was still relatively foreign. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of money in college. You know what I'm saying? So. I wasn't one of those people that was running back and forth to the D constantly. Um, but at Central, you know, you're a little bit further away from everything. So on the weekends, you there. A lot of people is, is is there. Meanwhile, like I said, here, a lot of people was running away every weekend, running mm-hmm. back to the city. So y'all had an opportunity to really build and develop culture. And I think that's one of the things that 
Um, especially now, 20 years later, I see being very difficult to do um, at Eastern. Because I think mm-hmm. even as old as we are, we will have an interest in finding a way to participate in a po- I, and I keep still considering the fact that you're there. I still, you know what I'm saying? But you oh, still, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. You're still here. But, oh, but I, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 but yeah, still. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that our support of what will be going on potentially on the weekends might be different if culturally it was different. But the fact right. that it's a community school, it just makes it a, a lot more challenging. And, I, and that was our blessing. And that's how we built our yes, relationship. I, I tell absolutely. graduate students now, um, just being like the graduate advisor for our Black Graduate Student Association. I tell all mm-hmm. these graduate students now that their goal or my goal for them is to receive a job before they graduate. Okay. The story of me and Reed is this. I remember us being in the library or texting each other every night on our way to graduation. I just told somebody this too. I tell people this story all the time. We used to have competitions to see who will apply for the most jobs that night or that week. Mm. Because we knew what it take, we knew what it took to look for employment because higher ed is fickle. Like, mm-hmm. fickle, like just you need ain't nobody gonna reply back to you sometimes you ain't gonna get no call back you might not get an interview your first job yeah resume might be whack so it's Mm -hmm. like it's about who you know but for us it was always to grind we even we was doctor well excuse me graduate students working on our masters we went on our own college tour it it was a lot of trips we did we did yeah we took trips to the dmv to uh howard university of maryland k-state cummins yeah um i mean so it, it, that's what I throughout the whole process of career and um, education. You know the stuff that you, we we truly like to do. You still kind of did it, mm-hmm. and everything might have slowed down, might not at the same tempo. Mm-hmm. But um, for 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 the most part, you know it it, it ain't changed. Mm. And that's where that ambition comes from. And like I know we're gonna talk about about Jeezy and, and the album, but we didn't have big homies telling us to do what we were doing. Right. We just yeah. did it because we knew that was going to benefit us. Because mm-hmm. that's, I feel like it was. It's a certain generation. Um, Talk to them. Where to and, and not no blame to the generation because at a certain point in time, for black people, that that was the proper advice to give. Like this is the cookie cutter image. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. We're dressed like this. You know, can't do all of that. You know, just stay in this lane, in this cookie cutter image, and you'll be successful. Mm-hmm. And, and everything. And I, at a certain point, it was like, you know, I remember my first, uh, my very first job interview, 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, the dentist office, downtown Birmingham. The hiring manager, well, the the, the dentist of the, or he was a doctor. The doctor was a black, was a brother. Mm-hmm. Said, at the interview, he said, son, um, I'm sorry you don't speak because you don't speak to Queen's English and behave in a Queen's manner. You know, this probably ain't the right job for you. You know. And this is a kid, cornrows, braids, right. all of that. And I wouldn't like, you know, I still, I was a PK. I forgot to add that. Yeah. Preacher's kid. So, like, I knew how to, you know, quote unquote, code switch and, right. you know, um, wearing the shirt and tie wasn't nothing to me if you going to church every Sunday. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and everything. So it wasn't like I just came in, like not knowing what the culture was. But that was a that was like how it was at a certain point. Like if you don't do it within this manner, then you won't make it through that cold switching thing. And I'm kind of like, you during my my whole dissertation process and my whole college, I'm like, 
you know, at a certain point, you lose your authentic self of who you is. I've seen people go through that whole process and not even know who they were, mm-hmm. like, coming out of it and stuff. And that's one thing I appreciate about you, even doing the projects that mm-hmm. you're doing right now. Yeah. That we're literally live <laughs> doing right now. I, You know what? And I, I, I tell people, like, I wore suits and ties for 20 years. And I got... To this point, and I really kind of gave all that up. You know what I'm saying? I, I wear hoodies and jeans almost every day, and I know I'm aware of the fact that that may limit me in some way. Um, but I felt like it was valuable for me to kind of take this opportunity and kind of rediscover who I was and what I really wanted. Mm-hmm. Because I would dare to argue with you that K12 can be more restrictive and political mm. than higher ed Mm -hmm. because not only are you operating in a community um that's very nuanced uh, especially when you're in a smaller community it's one thing to be kind of in detroit where it's you know 8500 students or you know it's 85,000 kids in schools and things of that nature but you know when you're in a smaller district and you're intertwined with civic government and business and stuff like that. The expectation for somebody that's in education is to be a symbol of morality, a symbol right. of success, so on and right. so forth. So it took for me to kind of get away from that to really take a step back and say, what is my criteria for success? Right. Like, what will make me feel fulfilled? And doing the stuff that I'm doing makes me feel fulfilled. I like to talk about music. Mm-hmm. I still like to obviously work and serve and support families and kids. To ensure that they have some of the same benefits that I got and some of the same opportunities I got. But I'm living the dream. And, and I like what you said, um, how you acknowledge that there is a risk to that and yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Like, because there is a wager to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, if you if you start to be truly be yourself how you should be, then there might be certain circles and meetings you might not be invited to yep. or you might not be and everything. And as long as you realize the risk, and I realized what the risk was, but there's a risk on the other side too because there's some kids looking up and they feel like, well, I got to pretty much go ahead and start all over. I can't listen to this. I can't do this and all of this stuff. But if you can still hold your, you might, maybe you might not get as professionally high as right. you could have the other, the easy route that's right. already been done. But you might break down those barriers for the next Absolutely. To then they can go up a little higher because you already kind of normalized some of the things because they saw that, oh, Rob Wallace, yeah, he, 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 Dr. Rob Wallace, he just did this and yep. doing this with upper bound and everything. And he also does this. So now the next yeah. kid is, so yeah, I feel that. I, I'll co sign on this if you all don't mind. Uh-huh. Reed taught me that. We we talked about that a lot because I, I was struggling with that at a, at a former institution in the state of Michigan of being my authentic self. And I think this is when you started at Eastern, like, <clears throat> why not be our authentic self? If they can't accept you for you being you, you you don't even want to be in those rooms anyway. Absolutely. Or be at that table mm-hmm. or even have these conversations with folks. So Bree instilled that in me a while ago. And that's why I feel so confident in who I am right now as a man, given I went through all that adversity of finishing the PhD program to mm-hmm. who I am now. And what you said, for those who look up to you, they want to see someone that's genuine and authentic. And someone who has the best interest in mind for those who they want to uplift as well, and that they can envision being versus. And well, this will be unrecognizable, Harry. Right, hundred percent. Or you'll be that posi- that individual in a high position and considered a quote unquote sellout. Or mm-hmm. you can be your authentic self 
in these spaces right. with these white folks. And I'm going to just right. throw that out there and these people who don't look like you. So for you to right. own who you are, especially us being black men at times, in, intimidating to those mm-hmm. in these rooms is, is something that I've always thought about and considered and think is extremely important. I remember mm-hmm. at one time in my life, I had to check myself. Because I'll go into a room. This is when I was early in my career in higher education with some executive leaders. And I, I felt like I was talking like Carlton. So when you get around <laughs> these folks, my pitch is going up. Hey, hey, how are you? Right. Is everyone You're becoming good? less threatening in 100%, a way. 100%. But right. they still didn't. Re- Hear me out. That code switching. But they still didn't respect me. Nope. So I'm yeah. like, dang, y'all ain't going to respect me trying to be like y'all. I might as well just be myself and, and go home. Have That's it. it. <laughs> Right. You could do all of that. You could do all of that. Right. And I, 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 I was, I learned that, and I, I don't know when I learned it. Probably Central Michigan, somewhere in that, in that area. You could do all of that, and it's still, and you still, not accepted and mm-hmm. everything. And then you know, so yeah, I mean, we but, can go. But in the same token, I think it's important that you're able to exist in a number of spaces. Yes. Right. You know what I'm saying? I can still go and put a shirt and tie on and a, and a sport coat. And speak to anybody mm-hmm. and in their language, whether it's a business language, whether it's from an educational perspective or, or, or a critical perspective, I can do that. But what I found was when I started to, I, I'll say it like this and, and we'll move on, but I didn't publicly acknowledge when people ask you to introduce yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and give you the chance to say whatever your accolades are. I when I first came to Eastern, I sat on a panel with Dr. Rima. Dr. Fields um, and somebody else Mm. and I had to introduce myself and I introduced myself you know program director this that and the third blah 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 and then I paused and I said I'm also a recording engineer and I'm interested in studying how and why kids interact with hip hop music the way they do Mm -hmm. and it was freeing to me I was literally like a month into being out of K-12 and I realized like I feel like I wouldn't be com- I wouldn't have been comfortable telling that to a group of parents or stakeholders in K-12 because it would have undermined my expertise mm-hmm. but I came here to discover who my authentic self was yep. so since I've done that I've been getting support from all over the country a passion and purpose all over the country people who are doing some of the same things I'm doing people who have some of the same interests so it's been liberating to me and I think the people around me kind of understand that I do want to talk to you guys about finding what works like we talked about before you came in the fact that when we talk about students being a student is its own competency is it's it's its own literacy and it's not what is always professed. Mm-hmm. There is a obviously an academic side to being a successful student. We also talked about the fact that there's a social side to it. Tinto. At what point did you kind of figure it out? Because to have ascended to the level educationally that you had, you had to determine. It wasn't. I, I know we talk about grinding, but. There's also a method to this that we profess it, we talk about it, we, but it still comes down to a person to choose that method. What was the method for you to be able to transcend the trials that came with completing your graduate degree? 
what worked for you? Because it doesn't work for everybody. It's only mm-hmm. 1%, 2% of us that are in the seat that you're in. What worked for you? That, that, that's always a, kind of a hard question for me because I've, I've been blessed. God, I thank God with this ability to kind of sort things out and, and discipline and all of that stuff. So, and I can... I mean, y'all know me, I'll be involved in 10 different things at one time and still be like making progress and everything. So it don't be, it, it doesn't feel hard to me during certain things, but I know it's certain things that I have to set myself up um, to, to make it work. I mean, it, and it'll be like the, the typical things, like there's a lot of slowing down I did as far as like um, during that five years. What did you give up? Um, Definitely as much, but a lot of my friends started to slow down on going out and yeah. stuff, anyways, because we was getting because of age, yeah, thirty. So, yeah. right, it was it didn't feel, but there was a lot of times that you know I couldn't link up and watch the game and do all of that stuff and right. everything. Um, I love to travel. I couldn't do that as much, but I even had to pull back on some of the things that I that like oh the ideal things that you would do and being involved in the community, mm-hmm. running this. Nonprofit. I was doing college tours in 2016. Had to pull back on that. Running the youth basketball league, coaching basketball. Had to pull back on all of that, especially when it got time to writing. Um, but it was just some some key little tricks that worked for me. Like you know, at a certain point, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta take off work. Like, I took off like five Fridays and five Mondays in a row. Okay. Just to get pushed forth in the stage because, you know, you try to. It's certain things you can't miss on the, like people's stuff. You just because I'm a, I, I need to. I'm a more presence person. Being there, like mm-hmm. I'm not more so on the phone and I text every now and then. But I rather like okay, you got to go on this. I I pull through mm-hmm. and everything. So, you know, ideally you would say want to say I'm gonna write this whole weekend. Mm-hmm. It never works like that for me. It never worked like that. There's always somebody something that you're gonna be at. Right. Um. And so I had to like. Clear. I had understanding. I had an understanding of boss and coworkers too at the same time. Mm-hmm. Some other things that kind of worked for me, like I just listen. People say quantitative. You get done quicker than qualitative. I mean, for some people it's different, but mm-hmm. okay. I'm a numbers person. I'm gonna go with the quantitative. Mm-hmm. You know, um, getting to really know the committees and all that stuff. So I interviewed informally. Um, he, the, the professors didn't know I was in I was setting up meetings with all the faculty in the ed leadership department just talking with them and everything but in my mind I'm just kind of seeing like how because I, ha- I heard so many horror stories yeah. of like faculty members trying to make your project their project and then dictating the whole thing and now you 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 went three years over than what you were supposed to do so you know for me like it was this is business because this is a lot of time and money Right. I got other things in life. I'm not a full-time PhD student. I actually have a job that I work 50, 60 hours a week, so I have to get it done and everything. So um, just th- that, those key decision-making pieces right there are some things that I've seen other people kind of go wrong. But when it came down to just get the work done and stuff like that, I knew it was a sacrifice. Right. And afterwards, you know, um, you know, I'll be able to enjoy life at some point and everything a little bit more and stuff. But shoot, Right after that finished, got married. Still enjoying life. That's <laughs> right, a, that's a whole right, different right, level of joy in life. Right. You didn't stop didn't living. Have ba- didn't have the baby. <laughs> you didn't so, stop living. You had yeah. a baby. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about you? Like, what worked for you? How did you finish? 
I, so I, I gotta tell you my story. One thing I learned about myself since high school is I'm a strategic opportunist, also known as a, <laughs> also known as a finesser. <laughs> I, I, I for, those, a, for those who are who are uh, who are uh, who lack hood awareness, <laughs> can you explain the term finesse? I'm gonna I'm define it in, in the context of please of this. please. I'm resourceful. Okay. If if it's five steps to something. And I and I know I can find a way to complete the same five steps in two. I'm gonna take that too. Okay. But understand the risk that's involved. Okay. So I'm strategic about my finesse and my opportunities. And I always think about the resources that I've always sought. Okay. I tell anybody, students, administrators, whatever. In high school, I was a cheater. And I tell Shanika Burns this all the time. Every <laughs> time I see her, and I give her all this credit and. <laughs> Thank you to my high school counselor for having her and I in all the same classes from like oh god ninth grade to senior year because I cheated off of her all the time. Okay, she was my connect of graduating high school with a 3.0. My goal was to always graduate with chords. I want to be the one that hit Let's that 3.0 with chords, and I achieved <laughs> right. that with her assistance because. I was lazy in a sense. Like, Reed, I was an athlete. I'm, I'm unique. I'm an eclectic individual. Mm. I was a gymnast growing up in the city of Flint. A black male gymnast mm. in the city of Flint. Right. I had to go out to do my gymnastics in Grand Blanc, Michigan. Right. Which is upper middle class. And I'm from the north side of Flint. Mm. So, for me, I had to live these type of experiences. So, with that, I just learned how to make my way. So, with that in high school, I had to use the same type of experience in college. So I was a conditional with Nick. I didn't get the scholarship that Reed received, in which I was jealous about because I'm like, dang, if I would have applied myself in high school, I could have received this scholarship. Man. It could have offset my tuition, but I'm lazy, half-stepping. And with right. that, I was like, okay, summer conditional admit program. We had to take three summer classes as high school students. We were registered at Central Michigan, but we're taking college-level classes while everybody else is partying their senior year. Right. Open houses. And Man, I missed it all. I missed it. We studying at 7 in the morning and eating breakfast together as a cohort. But those three that classes... That was my career, most <laughs> Right. Wow. And I'm like, dang. So even going through that program, I finished that program that summer with nine credits and like a 3.6 seven eight nine gpa something i ain't never achieved in high school so it's like okay bam but even throughout my college experience i always understood the art of relationships and connections mm -hmm. so when i say that finesse that's a literacy unto itself 100 percent. so i Absolutely. always tell people i shake hands and kiss babies i'll talk to the president of a college if he can help me with something yeah so that's what i always use and, and those are the, str the strategies i use for my bachelor's it's shaking hands, kissing babies. Let me go in this class, holler at this professor, right. let this professor know how I learn. Right. Also, I have to learn that I had a, a learning curve in my bachelor program because I went to Flint Community Schools. Y'all should have saw me in that summer um, conditional. What, what school did you what school did you go to in elementary? Summerfield. Summerfield, Longfellow Northern, all north side. Okay. I was I was Scott, Doyle Ryder. Yep. Doyle Ryder. I went to Walker. Walker ended up turning into Garfield. Yep. Whittier Central. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, you had some good schooling, too. Eh. Deep, man, Shout out to Flint li Community Schools. Yeah, you had the library next to yours. Like, that was dope. <laughs> right. I thought that was dope. Right, yeah, right, 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 right. But even with that, it's like, dang, I got to finesse and, and overcome this learning curve because, like I said, in that summer conditional admit program, one of my books cost 150 
I'm like, damn, I ain't never them some Jordans. Right. Those some J's. At that time, yeah. Hear me out. And I was in gear up all through middle school and high school too, right. which was cool because we used to go to Central Michigan all the time. But right. even with that, I'm like, okay, I ain't never learned this in high school. I'm in a chemistry course lost. Getting smacked around. Listen, I'm looking <laughs> at this, listen, I'm looking at this book that's current. At Flint Northern, I ain't never have a book with current events. I remember when I was in middle school, I had a book that was my cousin's boyfriend's. He old as hell. You remember you write your name in the book and you <laughs> yeah, see the year? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, damn, Kadon is in this book. Half of it. You had Miss Petrie. No, this was uh Miss Miss oh. Spence, Miss Spates, something like that. Uh-huh. But like for me, I'm like, dang, I understand I have to overcome these learning curves and barriers. So I gotta right. grind harder and smarter in a sense. Right. So like I said, for me, I just have to find ways to make these shortcuts and oversee these barriers and understand resources. Mm-hmm. So I always talk to people about myself. My faculty members, okay, I ain't the smartest in this class. I got to overcome this. I'm in these office hours all the time. Right. Help me learn what's about to happen on this test because I know I'm about to be lost. Right. And even when I learned that, I was getting answers to the test like, <laughs> this is easy. I go in class knowing I ain't read nothing or study the day before, but I'll write three questions now. Faculty member think I'm extremely engaged. No, I'm finessing you to make you think that I'm engaged and I'm really not. <laughs> you feel me? So... Those are just some of the things that I learned. I learned that with my bachelor's, master's, and even for the PhD program. Closed mouths don't get fed. And I had to understand the art of sacrifice, too. In the PhD right. program, like, Reed, we full-time employees. Right. We're the only black people in these programs. We're the only black people in these classes. And we got to seek these resources because no one's going to hand it to us. True. So with those sacrifices, I made those. From relationships, so, family, all that stuff. You, you take that level of competency, mm-hmm. social, that, that level of social competency. That's like a type of navigation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the research says that you learn that as a first-generation college student. You learn oh, the, 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 the better you are at maintaining effective social relationships with people around you. Mm-hmm. You can get up to speed when it comes to the content. Mm-hmm. That's that's absolutely true. But actually, that is a competency that is learned on the other side very early on by rubbing elbows, yep. by playing golf, by you know having a, having a drink after work with people right. um, at the bar or whatever. So again, it's everybody's journey. What I find is everybody's journey is different. One hundred percent. And one of the things that you talked about that we've talked about before is you talked about the trauma mm-hmm. and you mentioned it already today you felt as though the doctoral process it's almost like lifting weights like you traumatize your muscles when you listen when you lift weights in order to become stronger what kind of you seem to have had a lot more of a regimented style to get through you know what i'm saying yeah it, it, it wasn't for me, there were days, there were times where it was, it was tough at times, but but I mean, I, I just always been a person that kind of figured it we out. We got to do a hundred sprints, okay? Just got to get through it, right? Got to like. Yeah. But he said yeah, his his experience was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we all, well, me and Reed, we've had these conversations. Of, mm-hmm. Even since like on a graduate panel, even talking to grad students, they were like, "How did you finish? Or what did you do to finish?" And I'm like, "I really don't know." Because for me, I knew I had to finish. So I just did whatever it took. And whatever it took was a lot of things. 
Right. So I can't just narrow this down to what it took for you to graduate. Right. I don't know. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a hustler in the sense of getting my stuff done to make it through and get right. it through this program. So I think at times I do a disservice when I tell students that, but I'm like, you just have to find a method to your madness to get through. I tell people this, I'm not book smart. I'm not your most book smart person. I'm not the let me I'm gonna hit you with all these theories that apply to blah blah. I'm a realist. Do you do you I'm feel a, as though but do you feel as though you have developed an expert level understanding of something? One hundred percent. And okay. I tell I'm a scholar practitioner. Okay. And what I learned throughout my doctoral program is that you can have these administrators who are extremely book smart, mm-hmm. but ain't got a lick of common sense. Right, right, right. Can't right, communicate right. thoughts. Right. But yet you can dive deep into this book right. to write on it but you're not an effective individual when it comes to leading teams or managing or even impacting higher education okay i learned that mm, i'm kind of like on the opposite side i'm that people person mm-hmm. you can tie these theories in it but i'm not going to tell you what it is word for word because that's right. just not how i'm built mm-hmm. i don't think that the to be honest with you and this this is actually tied into my my last question about this part but I think that's kind of the experience that we get too is that we don't always get unless you do it independently just like with anything else you don't always get the when you're going through a program you don't always get the opportunity to develop a super duper deep understanding of something because you're capturing so much information at the same time in my opinion so my last question about that whole process is and not just specifically to Eastern, but how would you change, if you could change the doctoral process, what do you think needs to be different about it? If there is something that you feel like people who went through what you went through, how it could be altered to be more supportive of you and for you to be able to get more of an understanding of what you study. Before I got to get to that, I want to just highlight something. I know he's going to agree on it. One of the number one things people always said going into the dissertation process is you got to pick the right committee, the right mm-hmm. chair. Dr. McCallum was the dopest chair. I, I mean, I think shout I out to Dr. McCallum. Dr. Rima was on my on my committee. Shout out to Dr. Rima. She prepared me mm-hmm. to get to the point to write my dissertation. Though they 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 killing it at EMU. I love both of them. Shout like, out to I them. I wouldn't have got through it without them. Amen. So, but. Oh, I can answer that for sure. And I'm happy that you asked that question because one thing I learned during the pandemic, because I, I, I defended my dissertation last year on Valentine's Day. I had to submit all my edits and everything to the graduate school on March 30th. No, March 1st, and then the world shut down. So mm. for me, I had a lot of time to think about... about that. Yeah, think about my experience and now having these three letters behind my name. Right. So with that, and you ask that great question, like what advice or or what would you do to help others is my biggest thing right now is start my own education consultant for doctoral students. Okay. Because I know at least, I swear to you, 25 black doctoral students right now. No lie. I can write down names and tell you names and people who I talk mm-hmm. to on a daily basis about guiding them through their process. Mm-hmm. So for me, if there's anything that I could do and that my goal is to do it right now is put a workbook together for doctoral students. Mm-hmm. I tell everyone this. It's not that hard. A doctoral program ain't that hard. But if you can begin with the end in mind and understand the steps that it takes the for pathway. you to complete, that's it. Yeah. No one tells you the pathway because... Right. When it comes to the doctoral process, you got a lot of individuals in these generations and folks that's older than us 
who want to put you the, through the ringer of learning it the hard way versus giving you the tools to be successful within it and understand it mm-hmm. earlier. So everyone is kind of like, it's like a hazing piece. Like, oh, well, you'll just learn it whenever you learn it. I asked that question my very first I class I was that. in. Like, it seems like hazing in a way. It is. You got these haters who want people to go through it the hard way right. versus... I guess for me, I just try to get free game to everybody. Why should you have to go through it the hard way like I did when I got right. the answer right now? I, for me, the one thing that I can say about my piece, and I am, you know, in the qualitative space, mm-hmm. um, and I'm at studies too. For me, I've really had the ability to create meaning of what I'm learning in class from the mechanics of qualitative research and. Mm-hmm. You know, being a doctoral student, I've been able to craft the meaning by studying the stuff I like to talk about and rap. Like I study a lot of things historically through hip hop music and hip hop culture through the lens of qualitative research. And so it's been a boom for me. I've been and but but at the same time, I want to make sure that my again, going back to that conversation that I had when I had first left K-12. I want to make sure that when I walk away from this experience, it's not one where people are like, well, all he know about is hip hop. You know what I'm saying? He spent his doctoral time learning about hip hop. So I've made sure I've made sure to build in things that involve elements of social justice, elements of teacher preparation, elements of STEM. So I've added these other kind of things to the pot to make sure that I have more value. But see, that's still rooted in doubt. But it's still rooted in doubt that what I'm doing is the right thing to be doing with this time and opportunity. Mm -hmm. So it's it's mad complex. So extremely complex. When you think about just what do you want it to be? Changing the economic situation of, um, and that's that's the higher that's the higher rear philosophy. Philosophical, I'm sorry, uh-huh. way of saying it, but making sure your pockets are straight at be at from the point A to point B, like that situation should have changed out of all the literature reviews and all the mentoring I did and all of that. After you graduated, you still at Walmart. I don't feel good. I don't like. That's what I and then through that through my process of working. Um, I want people to be able to say like Eric, Eric show Eric showed me that like yeah you could actually do this like he made it he made it look doable because because I I, I stayed approachable and all of these different things mm. it wasn't a mystery like Mark said I'm not holding withholding information mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you call me up I will tell you how to flip houses or whatever from what I know and all of that mm-hmm. I'm not trying to leave a disguise. So um, I want I wanted to make it like you know from and even if somebody look at it at the standpoint and say like well if Eric can do it I can do it I wanted you to say that I wanted you to think, I wanted you to do, to do that mm-hmm. and everything so um, just just making it seem and I know I got a lot more go getting to get to in life absolutely um, I still got a goal to have at at forty years old working for another company to be an option. I'm not saying that I won't work for no company, but when I look at an account, it's like, and then I'm dealing with something that works. It's like, okay, I chill for a year and find something else and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of like what I I aspire to 
to do is just um, you know, change changes economic situation of a lot of that a lot of my friends and family and people in the community that that we in. I can do all the different lectures and all the talks and everything like that, and get all the degrees and the accolades and everything. But right. if you still, you know, struggling, then then where where did it go to? So and, it, and through a number, that's the broader thing. But it's a number of ways to get to that point. Mm. Absolutely. What about you? I right. tell people I'd rather be rich than famous in the sense of I don't you don't have to just know about me, but just know that the work that I do is fulfilling and that I look out for everybody and all my people. And mm. that's fulfilling to me. And that, that that's selfless peace. So I always keep that in mind from Clarence Savant of he knew the president, he knew he just knew everybody. Yes. And then they're like, but you don't know him? You yes. should get to know him. We didn't know him. Hear me out. <laughs> so he's not the most famous of people. He got money, he's doing whatever, but yet looking out for everyone and rubbing elbows with everyone. And being and a problem I, solver. There we go. And yes. I love that. Yes. Because I was watching the, the documentary and I was like, dang, I ain't never heard of these men, but everybody yes. knows about them. So yes. I would want to leave that type of legacy just period. Just being that person that helps, that solves problems, that philanthropy from scholarships to endowments to just give back to the community and those behind me and those who've also assisted me in getting to where I am to this day. Absolutely. He he definitely was a dot connector. 100%. And he utilized the social capital and political capital that he built to be able to make any move that he wanted. 100%. So one of the things that we've shared in the past is this conversation about like and, and I, I wrote down a couple of words that came up as we talked tonight. Uh, what are those words being like aggressiveness? Like you're an athlete, you understand that on a basketball court, you get rewarded for aggressiveness more than you get punished for it. Mm-hmm. And we talked about grinding. And I want to talk about Thug Motivation 101 through the perspective of how it's counterintuitive to people who don't understand hip-hop that people who are educational graduate students can fully and 100% comprehend the street-based discussion that he's having about selling dope, this, that, and the third. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote a paper a couple years ago about Jay-Z. It was called Jay-Z and the illegitimate children of neoliberalism. Mm. And what I I posited was, rappers like Jay-Z exhibit the same extreme capitalism that economic theorists talk about Mm -hmm. and uber capitalists carry out. They concern themselves with market share. Mm -hmm. They concern themselves with eliminating competition. They concern themselves with maximizing profit. We carry that same perspective into business, but we also carry the motivational side of what Jeezy was talking about into our practice on a day-to-day basis, no matter whether it's working on houses, Mm -hmm. no matter whether it's working on people and establishing relationships, no matter whether it's exercise and so on and so forth. So my first question is, if it wasn't for TM101, there would, if it wasn't for TM101, blank, like, what do you think would be different? Not maybe for you, what would be different for music? But if it wasn't for why is that 
Why is that so important? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, you can't play it. <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to We'd pull it. Copyright strike. The like list. A I need to go through the list. Yeah, you can pull it up and look at the list of the songs yeah. if you want. But I didn't want to play. My apologies. Thug motivation 101. Um, inspiration. All here's in college, Central Michigan, 06 to uh, 2010. Uh huh. It was Gucci for me. Mm. Okay, okay. Mm, so Gucci we was gonna not, talk about the Jeezy it. versus Gucci yeah, and who you felt fun. won <laughs> and that whole. Okay, talk about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. It, 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 I, Gucci was dropping like six mixtapes a month. Yeah, grinding at a certain point. Boom, boom. Aggressiveness. Boom. Me and my friends. We would, who can get the line wire first, a beer share, and download it first. Right. And you felt like you won an Oscar if you down if you had the new one first. Put it in, the, put it in. Everybody got slamming their truck. Like right. Turning up pre part. It was it was Gucci all the way through. Um, but I mean, I did listen to Jesus a little bit, you know, from time to time. But more recently, to like the last five or so years, six right. years, I I grew a more appreciation for Jeezy mm-hmm. music. It, it was like a timeless composition of the whole everything about it to me, like to where I literally like when it all came up, it was like Facebook debates, yeah, right, and everything yeah. like that. And I'm like, I rock with Gucci, like I am a true down to earth Gucci fan. First song, um, black, uh, black, I've robbed my black TV links, like that's before so icy, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was like, right, way right, at right, the beginning. right. So, but with Jeezy, like. I literally real deal will listen to Jeezy. Like if I if I me and you talk about copper whips and stuff, I've got my eyes on the uh, new Yukon or Tahoe. I mean the new Tahoe or something like right, that. Right, right, right. I don't know if I'm gonna get it. But if I get it, I'm really might play mm-hmm. Doug Motivation or whatever. First. Not, not from not as a, not from a throwback Thursday mindset. Right. Like I got some of my throwback music, but this right. is a song I feel like I just because like doing be, something. And that's my point in <laughs> all of this, because it is a philosophy, it's mm-hmm. not a disposable CD or a song that kind of comes and goes, it's a philosophy. Mm-hmm. And that's why I that's that's why I was glad that y'all that y'all picked this to talk about because again, why is for me in order for music to affect people, the production, it's either the production or some combination of the production, the writing, and the feeling that it gives you. Mm-hmm. Period point blank. And for me, Jeezy wasn't the most complex lyricist. Not even close. Nope. Not even close. I mean, his ad libs was the most memorable ever. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You could hear that anywhere in the world and know exactly what it is. But the feeling that you got made you feel as though you could conquer whatever it was that was in Absolutely. front of you. Literally. So you listening to it in a brand new Yukon, I mean, brand new Tahoe, is it's a it's a it's a coronation almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And music was a huge part of my this. I actually wanted to write some artist names in my little the little what is it? The dedication Our dedication. Page? Me and Reed you should have. About this. I, I, I was, you uh, should have. I don't know the. That was me fighting with the rules and stuff. Right, 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 right. So right, like, right. But I actually was gonna write like him payroll and all of them. Payroll like, Giovanni. Right. Yeah. Shout out to um, payroll Giovanni that, Cardo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh. By love. Yeah. Like all I had, that. I had. There was a number of nights. <laughs> He passed. Yeah, RP Fresh. Yeah. Fresh pass. Yeah, so absolutely. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I, I agree with, with Reed. Jeezy was our party music. I used to end every YY53 party at Central Michigan with my shirt off by Gucci and run around that apartment drunk with my shirt off. 
<laughs> but that was I take my shirt off and all of my shirt off my shirt like that was yeah. it but when it came to studying when it came to alright I need this motivation to, to get through this paper that I'm about to do last minute and cram and pull this all nighter that's where my Jeezy came in and right we can go through that entire playlist just naming the songs and each song if you if you think about it in their entirety or just throughout and we can all talk about this my bachelor's master's and PhD program uh-huh. is all relatable literally literally song by song we can bring it up and I can tie a piece of that song to my experience it's young jizzle at the bottom of the map got a 50 round clip I in like the bottom of the strap yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey. Right. I don't I mean it just it just does something. Yeah, well, I, and it's the feeling. Oh, that came out, I believe, 05, the summer of 05. Yes. Oh, That's God, when man. I graduated high school. And we it's in timeless. The, right. We in the car banging this. <laughs> right. Air, Air Forces? Right. We, Air Forces. Listen, big T's, Jabos, and, and Air Forces was right. it, was it. That was the time of that that feeling is something that is is hard to recreate. And the Jesus. trumpets, all of that, right? Yeah, production. But because we had trap rappers, and this is what I love about that time and era when trap music came out. Mm-hmm. And I'm a kid from Flint, so the dope boys are the ones who had the money, the cars, the right. clothes, right? The women, all of that, right? Not saying I want to be a dope boy trapper, right? But we understood the hustle, the grind that they go through in life to achieve yes. that. You understood it. 100%. And I respected those individuals because someone like me, who they saw potential in, wouldn't even allow me to be in the streets like that. Right. give me all the game to be successful in the avenues in which I was a part of. The Dope Boys used to pay me $5 to do backflips. I was a flipping little dude. Absolutely. (laughs) So it's like, those are some of the things that I love about that. But they also steered me in the in the the road and guided me that this is the lifestyle that you want. Yeah. Even this is what I live. But even listening to that music, I can understand it. Right. And you, that's why I'm like, this this is timeless and it's awesome to me. You can't be the proverbial dope boy or the dope boy that we knew growing up and be lazy. Mm-hmm. You couldn't be that person. Mm-hmm. Whether you was a corner boy or whether you was rolling, as we used to Big say. Man. Yeah. As, you know what I'm saying? You couldn't be lazy. You couldn't slip. You couldn't... You had to be on top of your game. And I think it permeated whatever your game was. Hus- mm-hmm. You know, athletes, scholars, mm-hmm. you know, business owners, real estate, realtors, whatever. That's why it translates so much. For sure. Absolutely. And I think we all understood... I'm not a street dude. I'm not a street dude. I never professed to be a street dude. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to be a street dude. By whatever definition you call a street dude, but I understood the game. I recognized the game. And I think recognizing the game has allowed me, going back to my history as an educator, to be able to connect with people who were products of the game or who may have still, you know, your kid, I got your kid, but when me and you talk, we still can connect if you in the game. Mm-hmm. And I think having, that's just another one of those literacies that you have to have to make connections to certain individuals in our community. And right. everybody don't have it. Mm-hmm. Period, point blank. 
Um, so I listened to it. I, I was listening to it, listening to it, listening to it, listening to it, and pulling out themes. And you know how they talk, how how Jeezy was talking about his relationship to authority. You know, understanding that they have a job to do, mm-hmm. and is in order for him to be in business, he has to he has to move a certain way. Um, drug talk itself in hip hop is a metaphor. All of it is a metaphor. I mean, mm-hmm. it does connect with people who may actually be there, but it's the same reason why Americans have such an affinity for things like Scarface, Goodfellas, because it comes down to loyalty. Yeah. It comes down to capitalism. It comes down to desire. Um, did y'all watch The Wire? Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. College. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> College. So it's the same thing. There's a very human side to what he's talking about. He didn't always let that show us, uh, especially until he got later in the in the tooth a little bit. But it's important to recognize how everything means something else, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then you know, I was listening to some of the songs, and I, I listened to "My Hood" by Jeezy, yeah. produced by David Banner. David Banner graduated from Southern mm-hmm. and he worked on his masters but he walked away from his graduate education as he became more successful in music I'm curious about whether or not he ever finished mm-hmm. and whether or not he ever felt the desire to finish maybe he did he's a professor too right absolutely I think, he, I think he's using his world absolutely absolutely he said um, in front of Congress he said I can admit that there are some problems in hip hop but it's only a reflection of what's taking place in our society. Hip hop is sick because America is sick. Um, and I, I look at his story as a person who has seen all levels of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important for us to recognize that you have the ability to provide support in a number of different ways for what's happening in our community, man. And I think that he did that. Um, bottom of the map, Get your mind right. Get your mind right. When he came out to get your mind right on the Gucci and Jeezy thing, when he said the little thing about Gucci, and then that song came in, I'm the realest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. already yeah. know. That was a cold setup. Trap of the year. Man. That was a cold setup. Man. <laughs> just hard. We was that I think we joked about it before. I call that Scooby Doo trap. You do. It sounded real creepy. It's like creepy music mm-hmm. with the organs and all that. Mm-hmm. It's real I'm not creepy. even a producer, but I know what you're talking about. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Listen to it when you are your way to the crib if you didn't listen to it on the mm-hmm. way up here. I mean, it was, it was plenty of like, I had a rotation of music. Jeezy might have been like 50 to 60% of that music. Right. 50, I'll say 50. Um, Doughboy's Cash Out, Rerun the City, I give them 25%. Okay. No, I, they, they off because I had them, them, but then I have my, um, I have my Miles Davis days. Because yeah. <laughs> it's a certain type of brain. If I'm like looking through hundreds of articles and reading and stuff like that, but yeah. if I'm writing, I need to like write. Yeah. I, when I, I, I love that you say that because a part of my story is the Ozzy Brothers got me through my bachelor's and master's. Wow. Mm. Swear to God. And, and I've met them numerous times. I go to Ozzy Brothers concerts. That's dope. Okay. I be backstage. Like, I'm a hardcore fan. But that type of music got me through my bachelor's and master's. But then it's like, you still want that hood music, too. Absolutely. So I think about how we got to, how we balance. I can't listen to any music while I'm writing or reading. 
Mm-hmm. I can't listen to any because yeah. my mind travels wherever the music takes me. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't always that way. Mm-hmm. But I think I hear music differently than I used to. Like, Same here. I really started to, because I was doing engineering and mixing individual sounds and this, that, and the third, I really hear music as the sum of its parts as well as individual parts all at the same time. So it's a whole cognitive activity for me. I don't zone out. So it's that's kind of just, oh. just different for me. Um, and then I think Jeezy is underrated when it comes to his beat selection too. Oh, yeah. This this entire album is a start to finish. That's why Absolutely. I, I enjoy that project so much because you don't get too many albums like that anymore. And that's why I said like, you know, we can do go almost any album. Even his latest one, uh, yeah. 2020 Vision. Yeah. It was some, you sent me that when it yeah. came out. Yeah. Like, Millions. I yeah. think I featured a million song. Yeah. It, yeah. Oprah got a million. Something yeah. got a million. Yeah. I just want a million. Yeah. Yeah. And the 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 funny part, as much as I rock with Jeezy, like nowadays and mm-hmm. stuff, and I listen to Gucci more on Throwback Thir- Throwback mm-hmm. Days. Mm-hmm. Gucci had he was trying to make a point. He was like, play some recent hits, hits man. Play some. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I kind of fell asleep. Ah. I kind of fell asleep. Like, man, Gucci really did have a lot of hits after he got out. Like yeah, he did. because mm-hmm. he went he went pop. Mm-hmm. And everything, Bruno Mars, and doing mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I'm yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. you kind of got a point. You did have a lot of hits afterwards, and I mean, Gucci is still my ride in music, though. Right, 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 right. And I, mean, I think, I think we would be wrong not to also like, like Gucci benefited from mixtape culture. Oh, one hundred percent. And Jeezy did too. Jeezy had, you know, when when because I first heard when I first heard Trap for Die, it was on a mixtape. Mm-hmm. Trap for Die is one of the hardest records of all time to me. That that would would bond be, it was just I think that's for me what kind of solidified. This is somebody to check for because I got shout out to DJ Infamous down in Tennessee. He told me maybe it was two thousand two, and he was like, "This is dude down here named Young Jeezy. Young Jeezy got next. He got next." And I'm like, "Young Jeezy, that's you know what I'm saying, whatever." And then I heard that record and was like, "It's undeniable. That record was crazy." His voice yeah. was very distinct, but he had the voice. I think that he did very good in terms of his hooks. The, the thing that kind of, the chorus that kind of drew you back to the root of the song, I think that he did extremely well with that. I think also he was able to capitalize on the fact that the iPod at that point was relatively new. So Ooh. people was wearing iPods in the gym. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And it's this new tape. It, it came out, in, the iPod came that, out in like 01. MP3, no, let's go back to that MP3 player. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That MP3, yeah. Right. So Styrofoam headphones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so... It's the completion of it, and I and I agree right. with you too. And one thing that I've learned about myself, and, and I got to give my sister credit for this, is my appreciation for Southern rap. Yeah, I like Southern rap. I was never a fan of, of rappers from New York. That just never caps like captured me. And I even think about the Midwest. Even being from Flint with Breed and Top Authority and Dayton Family, I never grabbed stone in them. However. UGK as a kid, I loved it. Hmm. I love the Southern slow beats, the rhymes, the metaphors. It was cool to me. Yeah. And it's, it's even to this day, I love trap music. I tell yeah. students that all the time. They're like, you like trap music? Let's talk about these rappers. And I'm like, all right, y'all naming folks I don't know. But 
Yeah. That's just a part of me and that's that I've always embodied and that's why this whole like the Jeezy piece is important to me because as much as I understood it in 05 when it came out, uh-huh. it hit even harder now. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm in my thirties and I can still listen to this music. It resonates and it motivates me as a grown man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think by this point in history, you know, trap was like a child of hip hop and mm-hmm. southern rap in a way. And now you got all of these kind of separate spaces of trap. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Juice World trap is different from the oh, drill yeah. stuff that they doing in New York. Yep. But mm-hmm. it you know, a lot of it has some a lot of the same the rules. New York drill and Chicago drill. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, Chicago yeah. drill. So so all of those are derivatives of trap, but Scooby Doo trap was the best to me. Mm-hmm. I thought I like Jeezy more than I like T.I. Back in them days. I, I agree. I, I think that Jeezy had a better discography than T.I. did. Um, I always thought Jeezy had a better discography than Gucci, too. Because Jeezy was speaking... I felt like Jeezy had better beat selection than Gucci did. He had better production. Mm-hmm. I felt like he had better... The overall ethos that he was talking about seemed to be a little bit more organized. Gucci was just gutter. Just... Mm-hmm. I take it a step further. You know what I'm saying? So... I love that we brought up T.I., Gucci, and Jeezy. Because um, I think about them like this. I've been to a Gucci concert, mm-hmm. I've been to a Jeezy concert, and I've been mm-hmm. to a T.I. concert. I saw T.I. in um, Vegas at Dreas. Shout out to T.I. still, though. Yeah, 100%. Decent. <laughs> but he wasn't just catering to, like, urban folks. It was an eclectic group with a diverse yeah. group of people in there. Right. I went to a quote-unquote Jeezy concert when he opened up for the weekend. Hurt my feelings, y'all. To see Gucci opening up for the weekend. Gucci opened that's, up for That's him? different. 100%. <laughs> wow. That's different. Even with that, it's like, dang, these kids, these people here don't know nothing about Gucci. Then I saw Gucci at the Fox. Uh-huh. And that feeling that he gets... And that love that he gets from Detroit yeah. is none other. Because you would think that he was from Detroit. Mm-hmm. So to be in there on the balcony in that balcony. You mean shaking, Jeezy. You saw Jeezy, me, Jeezy at the Fox. Excuse me, Jeezy at the Fox. Right. And for the balcony to be shaking. Right. For everybody yeah. to be partying Look, so hard, knowing every lyric, word by word. He didn't even have to rap. There's a generation of people about three or four or five years older than y'all. And it is a tradition to go see Jeezy mm-hmm. in Detroit. Guarantee you, Definitely. when Jeezy chooses to come back to Detroit post-COVID, mm-hmm. he might have to do two shows. Top five concerts I've ever oh, yeah. been to. Top he five. Might. He might. I've been to a lot of Jeezy. concerts. Top mm-hmm. five. My wife, I've been married to my wife 11 years, and my wife has probably went to see Jeezy three times mm. with her friends. I think those Jeezy songs bring up a memory. Yeah. Every song bring up a memory a, of you in that time with this outfit I had. It's I a mindset, going, man. Going to the mall, that, that, that nostalgia of it. It's a mindset. 100%. So I got a question. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this before. Like how, because we acknowledge that trap music um, it, it's an expression of the realities of what's going on. It mm-hmm. teaches us to grind, hustle, and everything. Right. But as educators... 
and understanding black oppression and what we need to do to move forward at like knowing that certain things drugs or poisons put in our neighborhood absolutely mm-hmm. knowing that you know it, all the issues that it caused are we do we perpetuate even even if we we know we ain't gonna go out there and do it right right and mm-hmm. do any of that any of the killing all of that all of that right. stuff like that and the only reason I asked that because not in my la- last several years or whatever like I'm riding I'm like dog like but at the same time like I know I ain't about to go do none of this but at the same time like you know that's why um, Jeezy said to Gucci like you know you see everybody dying Pop Smoke and um, mm-hmm. King Von and all right. those because of us the things that we had and all of that yeah. so I'm like it's like a duality like of life like Absolutely. listening to it but at the same time it's like are we eating our own medicine? I'm poison at the same time as a community. You, you and know, we have to kind of. That's a good one. That's a that's a great from, question. And, and I, when I say like separate, not from a assimilation standpoint of like we need to adopt adapt to the majority culture, but from a standpoint of like, well, this 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 arm got cancer, so I gotta you gotta cut it off. Cut it off. So I think that. It, Subliminally, and it could be because of, I mean, it just, it could be just because of time. I think that we kind of suspend belief that some, we suspend belief that what Jeezy is talking about is real mm-hmm. because we instantly take it as a metaphor sub- subconsciously. We take it as a metaphor for who we are and what we do. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. And one of the things that I'm happy about as time has gone on from this period when this album came out. Because it's you, I can't sit up here and defend as a, a a person who's like a champion of hip hop. I can't defend somebody talking about poison, you know, poisoning their own people, mm-hmm. unless I can look at it as a metaphor. What what has made me proud is the Rick Rosses, the Jay Zs, the Jeezys have shifted their narrative to say. This is what I did and what I had to do in order to play the Ameri- the game of the American dream. Okay? Now that I've done that, this is what I regret about it. And this is how now I'm doing things the right way. By shifting the conversation into black economics. Perfect example when uh, the Jeezy and Gucci battle was going on and Jeezy was like, let's battle real estate. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Those are... And I think that it's having an effect to a degree. You know, I think the gap that we still see amongst young people is that, and it, it could be developmental and and environmental, that they still don't always capture the understanding that you have to grind to shine. Like, you have to start in one place. That boy Cash right there. Absolutely. <laughs> you have to start in one place, and you have to be willing to get 1% better every day mm-hmm. at something. That's where the gap is. And I think that's the gap in understanding that they're not, they may not, they miss when listening to Thug Motivation yeah. 101. But now I feel like they're doing a better job of it. For me, mm-hmm. I can't be involved in music being a former teacher and being, you know, I can't be involved in music that talk greasy like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I understand exactly what you're saying. There is a responsibility. 100%. If you're, if you're an artist that's creating, but at the same time, can you capture the narrative? And if the narrative is wrong, can you talk about the ills of it? Yeah. 
that's what I'm saying. Like talking about the, we talk about the glory, glorious side. Yes. But also, we all probably have a relative or two that actually OD. Absolutely. Or, Ooh, or yeah. like and everything. So like, okay, at the end user, it wasn't like you were selling to a different community. It was like, this is this is my cousin, my uncle, or this Absolutely. is somebody on the street. So when I walked through the trap museum in Atlanta, I'm like. For one side of me, it was like, it's a celebration of black people. We did something on our own, created this culture, and mm-hmm. it wasn't trying to be like another, like, it was to celebrate. But the other mm-hmm. side, I was like, man, at the end of the day, like, it's somebody, all of us in this museum, it's like 200. We know somebody that's, mm-hmm. that's passed away. Absolutely. Or, or like incarcerated, incarcerated from from chasing it. You're right. 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 But you're I, absolutely right. I'll also add to this, though. Like, we just got to be honest with ourselves. Like, rap music is the culture. I think about mm-hmm. the NBA right now. I was watching the All-Star game, and I was like, damn. Just imagine the All-Star game with no rap. Yeah. Trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Garbage. Like, to me, I was like, no feeling, no Is it rap the most, most sold music? It's the most, it's the most streamed music on earth. Think, oh, so yeah. I think about that, and I also think about, even in the black community of... of Struck, we we relate through struggle music, like we relate through the struggle. Sure, I think in a sense, hear me out. Like the blues, think about the blues, right? But I also think about rap and hip hop in the form of poetry with music on it. So it's just true. folks telling stories. Right. Stories can be said true or not true, but it's those metaphors and what you so happen to take in to relate to you, right? In a sense, so I get what you're saying, Reed, and I do think about that a lot. Like, dang, rappers are talking about killing, right? Drugs and blah blah blah. But also, I think think about it like this: I can see someone who 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 works in corporate America doing white collar crimes, yeah, talk about the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely, and people will still relate. But that's also a person hitting the plateau to talk about those struggles. And we think about the gangsters and stuff mm-hmm. and how people relate to that. I'd be like, dang, if they. I wish it was more white collar folks who could talk about they they finessing and well, corporate blah blah blah. You got scam rappers yep. talking about scamming credit cards and all that and giving the whole how to. Hear me out. These little kids are the goats with this scam. Oh man, <laughs> the goats. I listen to some music and the little beats is nice. I give them the right. credit for the production, but I was like, oh, these kids is, is about that life. But that technology right. piece. But I think about that, right. like how people gravitate towards that right. more than that quote unquote positive. Right. image of rap absolutely sense. even with battle rap I love battle rap I yeah. watch URL all the time but then I was like man let me hear it to some battle rappers not talk about really going at each other right it'll just be some poetry <laughs> true in a sense so I was but, like I think about what we gravitate towards and I what think, sales I think that the main export of black people in this country is culture mm-hmm. and we bleed culture through the music and culture is difficult culture is like air like you can't you can't grab culture. You just got to create more of it. And I think um, when you consider like how rap, rap is very literal. So we have a relationship with, you know, rap grew up with technology. So, and it's very literal. So the words that are being said, the imagery, the videos, you know, rap was born in the music video age. I mean, modern yeah, commercialized yeah, yeah. rap was. So, we see these visuals and it makes us, you know, it, it, it makes us react because, especially as young men, because we didn't have a great deal of other images that didn't involve rap for a long time. Mm. 
rap athletes. I mean, th that's kind of principally the athlete, and, and that's vision. so that's what we gravitate to in terms of things as being larger than life. Mm -hmm. He talked about growing up with a dad. He's a PK. You know, he saw business. He had he saw you know people in his life were accountants and things of that nature. So he gravitated towards that ethic that was involved. And we were lucky enough to have people around us who were doing different things that we could that we could gravitate towards, but everybody don't have that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there is a responsibility in my in, when you're at a certain place to be able to do things that's responsible. Oh, that's sure. just me. But I like so. how those rappers in those days of that trap music have transcended to these individuals that are giving back to the community. Absolutely. And, and I think like that's the that's the beauty of it. Like they went from that to who they are down. It's like, oh, okay, now we can be, or that we can really visualize being the the business owners, the real right. estate owners, the millionaires. Gucci had a deal with Gucci. Who would have ever imagined that? Literally, right. who would have imagined right. that? So I'm like, e even to see that progress of that trap rapper. Yeah. Turn into these moguls and millionaires is, is, is really good too. Right. I mean, why wouldn't you want them as as, as your brand ambassador? Mm -hmm. You know, when you really consider it. So I do want to say this though, if you don't mm -hmm. mind, we got to get Soldier Boy his his flowers right now. <laughs> uh, why not? So so with Soldier Boy, he was like one of the first YouTube man. Absolutely. Period. Yep. So I, I he think was the blueprint. One hundred percent. So I even think about that in the sense of, of SoundCloud. Yeah. On his own producer, uh, endorsements, social media. Yeah. Soldier Boy still got people saying gang in a part of their crew or whatever. Yeah. SOB Money yes. Gang. Dancing. Soldier Boy had grown ass men dancing in white tees and yes. big pants. So I always yes. think about those things and how even with that transcended to the sense of trap rappers even taking a piece of him. And kind of flowing with it as well. Yes. So I always, I got, I always try to plug Soldier Boy because I don't think people give him credit like yeah. he should. Cause it's, yeah. And Bow Wow in a sense, but I mean, he was, he was a, a serial entrepreneur. Yep. As a kid. And as a kid. As a kid. And he used, he used his platform to, you know, because that's what happens. You get mm -hmm. this platform, and then you get people coming to the table that say, "Hey, we want you to do this. We'll give you this. We as want a, you to do this. We'll give you that." And he took advantage of that. As a millennial. So as a very young guy, he I I appreciate him because as right. a millennial, he showed the world not even just hip hop, right? What millennials are about that when was doing the young things days, at home. man. Bro, he was a kid, right? Fruity now, Loops. I think, I think that was the same. Was that was that the year y'all went to college too? Yeah, it was around that time. So, yeah. boy, tell him blue. Listen, up. she got a dunk. We will still play oh, that Lord, club Jesus. right now. I got on oh, some Lord. bathing aid, like right. Uh, so right. I, I think about that too. So we wanna we wanna um, when we kind of tie it up, I think what it comes down to is to be a unicorn, and y'all unicorns. I mean, I I think y'all need to consider that you you're not different from in, in terms of your perspective, right? But you have accomplished something that a lot of people haven't accomplished. The degree to which or or the the place where that accomplishment means something is kind of it depends you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. because you can't get too lost in that world and forget this world mm -hmm. on, on either side really. yourself, yeah. so the grind is real the grind is necessary and the grind is fair that's what ET talk about a lot 
Eric Thomas, the grind is fair. Y'all worked extremely hard to be in the position that you're in. Um, I wish you continued success. Y'all older than me, but y'all my OGs. <laughs> y'all always be my OGs. Younger, y'all, y'all, y'all younger than you. Y'all younger than, I did say that. You <laughs> said older. No, y'all younger than me. Y'all younger than me, but y'all my OGs because y'all have shown me that it's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, not only from the perspective of the amount of talks and stuff that we had, but he from the same place I'm from. So y'all are definitely beacons. And I think, um, you know, I just wish you continued success. Appreciate I wish you it. continued brotherhood. Um, I appreciate being amongst you fellas. And... You know, shout out to Young Jeezy for motivating all of us to be the best that we could be. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. It. Let's get it. You know. Um, uh-huh. So we want to, our first, before we take off, we do want everybody to like, share, and subscribe uh, to wherever you're hearing this, whether it's on streaming or whether it's on YouTube. Do you guys have any plugs that you have right now? Anything you want to plug or talk about? Following breadcrumbs, consulting coming soon, education consulting, higher ed, um, accountability coaching. Okay. That's I'm I'm gonna really push accountability coaching. Um, y'all can find me on Twitter, uh, Marky PhD, or find me on Instagram, M A R K I the number three. And I'm I'm always accessible. Let's talk. My goal is to always give individuals and people the, the tools to be successful versus bumping their head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm- I'm starting to get back to my business, general business consulting, you know, LLC paperwork, mm-hmm. getting maximizing your credit that you can get as a business, not personal credit, but business credit, mm-hmm. all of those different things that like it took me a long way of trial and error to find out over the last few years. But I'm going to get my stuff back. But just follow me, PhD E Reed, PhD dot E Reed. Um, I'll be putting more stuff out there in the future about um, some, some, different tips and trainings that I'll probably be doing. Absolutely. Okay. We want to thank our guests for coming today. We also want to thank our sponsors, um, Grove Studios. Thank you to Leon Speakers. We also want to take the time to shout out um, edigging.com and Dirty Avenue Clothing and the Dirty Old Men and the things that they're doing as well. Um, Until next time, this is Rob Wallace. Support the artists and the artisans around you because if the music stops, everything else does. Also, shout out to Max at Mind State Marketing for the assistant on the on the production and we'll see you next week peace